Uh, Roman is on his way in, so we're. Oh, nice. I, I hate to do it to you, but we're finally going to bring up this uh, Roman comparison um, <laughs> with his name that I just spaced right now. Barkley. Barkley, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I don't mean to oust you, but it's going to happen. It's fine. I've said worse to Roman. <laughs> <laughs> podcast episode 178 i finally got back on the train of knowing what episode we're on uh where every week we would normally record a podcast about all of the new comics that came out that week there are no new comics this week instead and much like the last several weeks and and while we finish this oasis this island of no comics um because the end is in sight uh it'll be myself and my amazing companion uh talking about something so i am jeff and as always, I'm accompanied by somebody incredible. Who is it? It's Colette. Colette. I mean, I don't know where the incredible person is, but I'm here, mm. and it'll be good. I'm happy. It's incredible already. <laughs> um, I think this is incredibly important to have you here because while we've all stayed in contact, um, the listeners not being able to go into the store haven't heard from you in, you know, are we coming up, I guess a month and a half? We're coming up on two months, I guess? I, I, I lost track quite a yeah. while ago. I have no idea. Quarantine I, life has gotten us. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I miss everybody a ton. And I've had ideas of, like, I want to make videos with Hilo uh, oh. talking about his favorite books that we have in the store. Oh, God. Man, if you're a parent of a small child, you have read the same couple books this quarantine a lot. Can you can you give me a sneak preview of what book you've read a lot this quarantine? Uh, the book I've read a lot the entire life of my child is, uh, well, all three of the Chew books by Neil mm. Gaiman, uh, namely Chew's First Day of School. I could probably recite the entire book to you. Um, and it is actually pretty entertaining it's probably the book that i have gotten the least sick of reading and i've read it more than probably any other book to him okay so, so let's let's unpack this because i got <laughs> one of the chew books for my nieces who are now six mm -hmm. um, and they loved it and i just conflicted isn't the right word but like where do you get off, Neil Gaiman, being an incredible writer of books? You write some of the most successful comic books there are. And, like, children's – there's no reason that an adult, like, novelist should be good at writing children's books. Like, how is he uh, – And the first time I read one of those books, because I've gotten them for all my nieces and nephews long before, um, before I got them for Hilo, and the first time I read through them, I was like, okay – there's a sneeze. I bet that's entertaining. <laughs> the, the illustrations are cute, but it's not whatever. But they're somehow the most entertaining books for littles. And I, yeah, they're great. The illustrations are great. They are gorgeous. Um, you, ha you have to do voice. Well, Jared doesn't do voices and Hilo loves it just as much. But I find <laughs> that you have to do voices for the different characters. Um, and then the sneeze has to be very animated. So you turn a page and it's uh, 
she was getting ready to sneeze and he goes, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he doesn't chew. And then the sneeze has to be, achoo! So, so I bet Hilo just loves the like, is it going to be a sneeze this mm-hmm. time sneeze? And when then he, him. And then when he got old enough to actually start looking through it himself, he would turn to the pages where she was getting ready to sneeze and he would sit there and go, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> it's just, you know, one of the oh. most sickeningly adorable things ever. <laughs> so you put a lot of t- Yeah, I just... Do you think that there is, like, a level of writing? Like, why, why do you think Neil Gaiman's good at that also? Like, do you think it's well-written, or is the premise just good, or is the art what's good? Like, what, what did he, how did he do it? I don't know, because I think there's something to do with, like, child psychology with that book, with those yeah. books, because it taps into something that little, from being an infant on just like really stimulating stimulating for little kids so i i don't know what it is i'm not actually a huge neil gaiman fan for his adult stuff i doesn't do it for me um but but damn those kids books i've never finished a single neil gaiman thing you know what if i had to pigeonhole you colette i feel like a high school colette would have liked sandman (laughs) i feel like there's a there's a piece of Colette's life where she could have gotten really into Sandman. Yeah, and someone actually gave me the first two volumes when I was just too young for them. I think I was like in fifth grade and they kind of sat around and then got lost into a box somewhere and I don't know what happened to them and I've always meant to go back and read Sandman but I just haven't and maybe that should be what I'm trying to read right now. Oh, I don't First luck with reading right now. I, I think that you'd be in the same boat. I think you'd be in the yeah. same way. Hey, I got a surprise for you. <gasps> What's that? Is there, is he here? <laughs> I just admitted him. I just admitted him in here. Oh, bring him on. Roman, uh, thank you. Hi. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for jumping in, like, with no warning and dropping everything that you were doing, um, which was actually things that you were doing. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping in with us, bud. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was. I'm. It's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Yay! I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, Roman, I'm not sure if you've met my sales associate, Colette Penketh. Hello there. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. The name sounds familiar. I think I forgot. Okay. Okay. Yeah, maybe once or twice we might have met in passing. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. Roman, we were just I- discussing the stuff that she's been reading to Hilo, but. We wrap yes. that up. Oh, oh what? No, oh, I guess I'll have to. I'll guess I'll have to listen to the podcast to find out what you've been reading. <laughs> yeah, the, the eight minutes before you got here. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm not nearly as deeply depressed, and therefore I'm, you know, washing my hair and willing to maybe be on film. So I'm going to actually get around to filming some little like Hilo recommends videos for oh. online. <laughs> that would be amazing. Can we talk about the path of your depression? Uh, you said you're not as sure. depressed. Are you talking about like compared to pre quarantine or are you talking about compared to like the first month of quarantine? Uh, I mean, probably pre-quarantine too, but I don't remember that period. I know it existed. But, <laughs> but, oh God, no! The first like five weeks that I was out of work, because we, with the way my shifts lined up, I was had a whole week before the stay-at-home order went into place. Um, that yeah, I don't. 
even really feel like my quarantine or my stay at home started until five weeks in because it was just this blob of just the most anxiety riddled depressed time jared was working basically nonstop morning to night and i was already exhausted going into all this and like all of a sudden i felt like a single mom with a uh like uh, words um like a roommate basically that was antisocial and took over my office and um in the form of jared not yeah Hilo. okay no <laughs> and Hilo anti- was like teething and it was just like i was a mess and i already have my issues and it right. just all bottled up and i haven't really been sleeping i always have bad nightmares but they've been extra bad through all this which I I'm not alone. incredibly bad and very vivid yeah. and um my stress has has vacillated pretty greatly with how secure my unemployment is going mm-hmm. and and I'm back in a spot where I'm getting it again, which is nice um, but I had lost it for a couple of weeks and and that was very very bad and i and my stress was off the charts um, and I would have these crazy vivid dreams roman i'm I'm curious. My anxiety has been very linked to that. Like everything else has actually been okay. And when I'm not super worried about falling out of this system, that's giving me this free money that apparently I deserve, even though I don't um, like there was just that big stress of like being a small piece of this very large thing that was moving without me. And, and, and um, that was very stressful, but Roman, I'm curious as sort of like the, the great Gatsby of, 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 um, of the quarantine, the sort of the great Gatsby of the pandemic. Like, have you, he's, have, have you been, he's not Gatsby. Well, let's, let's unpack it. He's got a deep, he's got a deep void inside and he's trying to fill, mm-hmm. but all of the trappings of his life, um, are very rewarding to him, you know, like a la a giant house with lots of parties, the equivalent of that to Roman, small, cozy <laughs> space covered in books and alone time to engage in them. There's, there's maybe some truth to the Gatsby comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Gatsby I was doing it all for someone else. Yeah, that's Sorry. true. And Roman um, is the that's selfish. That's true. Yeah. Roman is. Yeah, I'm the very selfish guy. That makes me wish I had a cocktail here in his glass instead of water. <laughs> oh. Smoothie life. Colette's got some scotch. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, see, I haven't I haven't been drinking at all because I have I have liquor and stuff around, but you know it, it it's a holdover from when I went through cancer because I'm like oh I can't drink now because it's you know it weakens your immune system sometimes. Right. Even mm-hmm. though I really want to sometimes. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's been as diligent as you have about not being exposed to anything. So Roman one drink once in a while might be acceptable yeah i'm sure that's fine (laughs) i would imagine it's okay if you're not going out of the house and i happen to know that you're not really going out of the house yeah not not you know for walks maybe and if the weather's bad because you know then people don't go outside so that's when i go for my walks yeah you and sam um but I, i think you'd be safe to drink roman only if you wanted to but you're not necessarily a guy who drinks for fun like me (laughs) <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. But, and Django. <laughs> and me now, apparently. Yeah. I what, love it, Clap. Was that your original question, though? What was, what was the question you were leading up to with that? I was just curious, like, Colette was talking about, like, especially the beginning, being, like, pretty depressed. And hmm. my depression it has been... 
I get a deep depression when I exceed a threshold of anxiety. So like if I get anxiety, like anxious enough, then I just get depressed. And I have like a really big four day depression thing, but I bounced out of that once like things like my unemployment was coming in again and I wasn't afraid that I'd fucked that up. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious, have you been experiencing any of that? Not really. I think like maybe a day and a half, two days at the most. And that was built around, around kind of the same thing with unemployment, screwing that up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's more stress than depression for me. Yeah. And then the other part was not now, but like maybe say a few weeks ago, uh, I was, I was more depressed at the idea of returning to work too soon. Mm-hmm. And that scared me because I wasn't sure that when I see out my window, I was like, God, so many people aren't, you know, aren't doing what the stuff they're supposed to be doing now. That yeah. really pisses me off. Like yeah. there, there is a lot of folks like not, respect i was at fred meyer today fred meyer today actually was like 80 percent mask wearing um but i went to hagen like six days ago five days ago and it was like no no masks and it frustrates me i'm just like (laughs) you guys i'm doing this you should be doing this well because you know that the moment that people are told it's okay to start doing stuff the bare minimum that they've been willing to do is going to drop off it's like no you need to be way more diligent about your body and your cleanliness and making sure that we're all safe once we're allowed to go back out but right ever yeah it's so frustrating <sighs> but i was i mentioned this to colette before we started but um, yesterday was Justin's first day back at work and he went in early, but we did overlap for an hour and we all had, it was Django and I were working, packing stuff downstairs and Justin was upstairs cleaning. He actually wanted me to pass on the message that he's, he's deep sanitized everything upstairs. So, awesome. um, if you, I know you had mentioned wanting to do that as well. So downstairs would be a good, a good area for you if you wanted to, but, um, but we were all wearing masks and gloves and, I got to like be around Justin, who Justin, one of my closest friends in the entire world. However, we don't really interact if we're not working together that much. We occasionally text once a week or something. Um, So it was just amazing to get to be around Justin a little bit. Um, I had a, I had like a four minute conversation with Roman in person from the top and bottom of his staircase like a week ago and that like filled me with joy to like be physically <laughs> talking to him in the same spot um so yeah there people are coming back to work at the store in in small capacities for our listener audience that's the thing that's happening mm-hmm. um and i hope that it doesn't yeah i hope that like you were saying returning too soon but four hours a week pretty pretty low intensity stuff i i I hope that it goes well for you is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it will because I mean, I mean, you guys were all taking the right precautions, I think, and the museum, my other job, according to the city emails and everything that's going around, we're going to be taking the, as many precautions as we can there and everything. So yeah, I think it'll all, I think it'll all work. Yeah. And I, I really similarly, um, I want to stay home and do nothing for as long as I can. I also compulsively 
want to be around you guys at the comic shop and like moving comics around. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's like a compulsive thing of like, I, I really like being around my like couple favorite people in this room working on stuff. Um, and I hope that, I hope that my desire to have that happening again, doesn't get in the way of your desire to not do anything. Cause I, <laughs> no, I, really, no. I really like working with you. I think that was one of the things that like led into my getting so lost in my emotional state was like realizing just how much of my mental health is wrapped up in being able to be around you guys and, and the, the dynamic that we have and, and being able to be a part of something like the shop is a really, it, it really does fuel me quite a bit. And I miss, I miss my best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, it's so hard to not be around people that are such a staple part of your life to the point of not even feeling like, an individual that you reach out to to chat with because it's just such a natural state of being to on Thursdays and Fridays, Jeff and I talk and it is just a thing that I have to do for myself at this point because I am a better person from it. And, and it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause us at the comic shop, I think, you know, all of us, uh, like, it is, while it is work, it is also the mechanism that I have in my life to be friends with people. Like mm -hmm. it is, I, I don't hang out with people. I just work with my friends and I'm friends with the people that come into the store. But um, because it's so much like social energy at the store, like I, I give it all out. So when I'm done there, I'm, I'm home and I'm just doing home stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but to have that removed, it's like, whoa, I don't even remember what it's like to miss people. And I do now. Cause it's like, and, and I also, it's very nice to have an amount of time to like, I didn't put the brakes on for like two years. Like I didn't, you know, like, so it's really nice to be like, Oh, what did Jeff used to do about stuff? But um, yeah, you needed this <laughs> more than anybody that I know. Yeah. I, as much as I was like, no, don't take me away from my people. It was very much like, good. Jeff really needs to be forced to be <laughs> yeah. quiet and alone for a little oh, bit. Thank so you. good. Yeah. It's, it, it has been very good. And now I'm, I'm ready to just do it. It's, it's weird. I haven't in a couple years had the like energy to develop new um, like hobbies and I've started like several new hobbies in the last like month. Um, nice. And, and that's really cool because I haven't had the time or energy to do it. Like, even, like just the idea of like, well, I need to learn information if I'm going to start doing this thing. And now I'm, now I'm doing it. Yeah. And I think that was maybe the hardest thing for me when all of this started, not the hardest, but part of it was this like, um, and I don't, I should preface, like, Jared has been amazing. I said that thing earlier about, like, feeling like he was an antisocial roommate, but he's also, with the amount of work he's been having to do, has been so incredible and supportive. That dude it was is hard. Batman. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and, but it's really, it, it was really hard to lose, like, I love my kid so much, but being a parent has been a really hard transition for me and being a mom has been a hard transition. And it felt like I lost all the things that were the extra stuff that kept me even and able to go through that and watching 
everybody I know posting online about all the new hobbies they were doing, all the shows they were watching and everything. And I was just like, I would be so fucking good at this stay-at-home <laughs> order if, I, if this had happened before I ever had a kid. Like, I'd be doing puzzles. I'd have so much jewelry and art made. And, like, every I'd have watched every show I could possibly want and read my giant boxes of comics. This would be heaven. And instead, it's just been this, like, the, the, the envy has been real hard to, to palette. I I bet if it makes you feel any better, even a month and a half, I still am not like Mac. I haven't, I was talking about this in my last therapy appointment, which was like two weeks ago, but I'm still not like good at using all of this spare time. Like I wake up and I drink my coffee and play a video game that I've played a lot in the, in the last two years, I play it for like two hours and then I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? And I pace around for like an hour. And then I watch something that I don't really care. I'm like, it's it's like, I guess I'll be watching more of this show that I've already seen, right? Like rewatching a show. Like it I'm not maximizing the time. So even though people have it, um, it's a skill that I haven't gotten good at. Like Roman is just guy with a gold medal past the finish line before everybody. Like he's just killing it out there. But I'm like, I don't know how to explore. I haven't had time to explore in years. So just remember to take the time to appreciate the freedom to ponder and waste time. Like the ability to waste time is a gift. And oh yeah. Uh and and as I think as long as you're just able to acknowledge that like, you know, today is a day that I just piddled around and that's fine. I haven't had one of those days in a long time. I did work seven days in a row as of yesterday. So like, you know, I was at yeah. the shop every day, but. That does not surprise me. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's got a compulsive problem, everybody. It's like gambling except less reward. Um, Colette, do you have a favorite, and, and Roman as well, both of you, do you have a favorite thing that you have done since this started? Yes. What is it? <laughs> um, God, I've got a bunch of favorite things. I guess my top favorite thing is that, as you guys know, I've been like saying for the last couple of years, I was going to clean up my apartment. For the listeners, my apartment's been a huge mess. It's been, I haven't had friends over. Um, Colette's never seen my inside of my apartment or Django. Neither is Django, yeah. Because I've been too embarrassed to let anybody see this this pit. So because of the um, the stay-at-home order, I st- like the first week, I started cleaning up and everything. So my favorite thing is that I've got these piles now that are taking up space, that that's all stuff to go somewhere once all the somewhere is reopened. And I can, u- I can use my kitchen table. I can use my desk to sit at. Like, that's where we did the podcast, where I was when we did the podcast earlier this week. Um, and it's thrilling. Cause I was actually achieving these little things that I haven't been able to do for a couple of years just cause I finished one of the jobs, get home. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do anything now. Well, it's tough cause it's not just a matter of having the time to do it. Cause like the mental energy that goes into changing something that has been yeah. the same in one's life for years. Yeah. It's like a momentous a thing mm-hmm. to like get the energy to change something that has been this like inertia exists and, mm-hmm. and i totally get that well and the ability to see 
even where the problem lies or what is there, my ability to just not notice things that have been in the same spot for a month or longer is so frustrating. You need new eyes. Yeah, Yeah, it's just this like, oh, there's a giant pile there that's needed to be cleaned for forever. I had completely grown accustomed to that. I thought that that was part of the counter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see it. And plus being forced to then stay in one spot. It's like, wow. Then you're forced to like look around your environment and go, okay, I need to make this pleasant and more functional than just barely functional. Mm -hmm. So the problem now becomes... Roman has made an even more comfortable environment for him to be away from us in. And one of the things that I am not going to lose because of the pandemic is my ability to see Roman, okay? I'm not losing Roman because his house got so nice he never had to leave. Eh, we've always got text and Zoom. No, so we'll be allowed in the door now, so at least if he won't come to us, we can go to him. That's true. Yeah, see, now I'm really looking forward to having people over and having like dinner parties like a real adult. Aww. You know, if we're ever allowed to do that again in a few years. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get it. It'll be, I mean, you know, Whatcom County's relatively stable with the the Mm -hmm. virus. And, you know, if you, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess Django and I are out delivering stuff. So we're always going to be kind of free radicals. But I'll never feel bad about Roman or Justin, right? Because they're, and Mm -hmm. Colette as well, you're mostly always home. I mean, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty <laughs> safe group of people right there. Yeah. I mean, Jared has to go out, but he's yeah. um, he might have to, if any of their clients end up with this, he is going to start sleeping at a friend's like little guest space and uh, we'll be working with, actually working directly with people with COVID and my mom will come up and stay with me and oh. it'll be a... Fun little. I, don't I was know, just like, gonna say, if you need anything in that situation, let us know. Like, yeah. we'll grocery shop for you. I'm already grocery Thank shopping you. for my yeah. mom. Well, unless it's come over and live with me in Hilo for a little while. <laughs> Pack up the cats and Sam. Yeah. Okay, Colette. What is the what? Are, what are you most proud of having done um, in quarantine, aside from possibly finishing off a bottle of liquor that has been around for a long time? Uh, no, it's my birthday bottle. Um, okay, so, okay. <laughs> it's just a month old. Um, and I have, I mean, I drank like half of it during our work meeting the other night on accident. But, oh yeah. Um, I, I got too drunk for that work meeting. That was yeah. irresponsible, Jeff. Business <laughs> owner and get that drunk during a, I know it's zoom and you're in your house, Jeff, but that was irresponsible. <laughs> Yeah, the amount of drunk texts that everybody from the shop got from me after the meeting was over, like, it was so good to see your face. I miss you so much. Oh, my God. It's all true. <laughs> it is God, all true. God, I just, I'm, I'm so naive. I didn't realize either one of you were. <laughs> were I mean, drunk. I wasn't at the start, but. <laughs> By the end, Django called me out and was like, Jeff, you're drunk. Like. I thought that was a a joke. (laughs) I appreciate that you have enough respect for me that you are willing to see through things and assume I'm sober, but. Yeah. Yeah. I had my first hangover in God knows how many years that next morning. And I was like, Oh, yep. I feel like an adult now. Good for you. uh, Oh man. Um, Yeah. But, uh, but aside from that, I mean, I mean, as much as I, I talk about how difficult it's been being alone with the toddler, or not alone, but with the toddler all this time, it's been 
crazy wonderful too to be able to I don't know see my cool kid being doing cool stuff and learning new things and he's at a cool age and since Jared's work has has calmed down a little bit there was like three weeks there where it had lightened up a bunch and all of us were getting to actually do stuff together and spend time which was great and then also I got to start having a little bit of me time and I uh, I started cleaning our garage which was <laughs> wow man value village goodwill all those places are going to be like golden after this is all over the amount of boxes that everybody has ready and yeah. waiting to go to be delivered um but uh I found I finally cleaned the way back to a bunch of boxes that haven't been unpacked since we moved in like almost four years ago. I drove by your old house on a delivery the other day and I was like, oh damn, I don't know if they've seen it. It is not as nice as when they lived there. It was not that nice while we lived there. We tried to make it look good. They've let it overgrow. Oh, man. I I was like, oh, dang. Like, that's the kind of thing that Colette and Jared are going to be excited to drive back by in 15 years and be like, Hilo, like, that's where we live forever. And I was like, but right now they wouldn't be proud of it because the the, the folks are not taking care of it. Yeah. We didn't actually live in that one for that long. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. This is when I met you, so I assume forever. Yeah, no, we were only, that was kind of our temporary place because the house that we really liked that we'd rented for years, the owners decided to sell because they'd taken out like three mortgages on it and were completely drowning in debt. Mm. Um, So we had to find a place real quick and ended up being there for like three years, I think, and then we bought this place. But, um, but yeah, so I got into our garage and started unpacking things, and I got a bunch of art supplies out that I've been wanting for a bunch of time, and, you know, have had an itty bit of time to use them. But uh, but I found a couple boxes that had not, that had gotten mislabeled that were from when Jared and I moved in together, and I packed up <laughs> my apartment that I grew up in, and there was, like, this one box that had all of these just treasures that I had been so worried were lost for forever. And I got to find just like weird shit, but I, it was, it was really, really fun to get to see all this <laughs> stuff from my youth and, and I like my jewelry box from high school and all these like special little things. And yeah, it was, it was great. That was fun. And then we also found, uh, one of my one's still missing in the garage, but one of my boxes of my books from when I was a little kid and getting to read all those to Hilo has been really fun. Nice. Also, finding out a lot of the root of uh, what influenced who I am as an adult. There's been multiple books that I'm like, oh, holy shit, I love this. <laughs> this explains a lot. <laughs> like what books? Um, one the other night I read Sheila Ray the Brave to Hilo, which is a Kevin Hanks book. He did like Chester's Way and Weekend with Wendell and Lily's Purple Purse, and they were all real popular at the time. Um, uh, and uh, Sheila Ray the Brave is about a girl who isn't afraid of anything and makes sure everybody knows that she's tough and, uh, I'm and not afraid bothered of by stuff. And, uh, and, you know, she's all big and tough, and her little sister idolizes her, but then she gets into the situation where she's actually like, lost and scared and her little sister helps her but just her whole bravado and making sure everyone knows that no 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 i'm tough i'm 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 not weak i'm big and strong was just jared was laughing from the other room as he heard me listening 
listen to me to read it to Hilo. And yeah, we must have must have both had that in our life. Because, uh, like, dang, if I don't know two people who are like less willing to admit their shortcomings than Colette and I, like, <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> oh, I know them all, and I'm willing to admit them. But God, please don't know that I'm as weak and fragile as I am, because I will. <laughs> I will just turn into a puddle in front yeah. of you. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, I want to mention also that Sam has been really into gardening throughout this whole thing, like gotten lots of planters, lots of like, um, all sorts of different seeds. We've got the Krakoa seeds are just going. <laughs> um, she's got also, we got this giant, like I got her this big wooden sort of two or three layered terrarium, depending on how many floors you want in it and it's got like a top that opens so she's just been filling it up but i got some seeds as well that i'm really excited to plant so we went out a couple days ago and got some really nice terracotta um pots for them and then today we painted them all um (laughs) with like all of her art supplies and that was very fun so i I did like a my brother my brother and me one that's got a bunch of stickers from that on it and then like a seahawks one so very exciting. Uh, excited to learn about vegetation and planting and growing. If you run out of space, I've got a big old yard that needs a lot more attention than I have time for. I don't know if you would feel good about growing the plant that I am going to be pursuing, <laughs> or at least not publicly. Um, so, listen, for about two months now, I've been trying to talk to people about Star Trek. Yeah! And no one gives a shit about it. And they're all like, yeah. Fucking losers is what they are. That aired 25 years ago, Jeff. Um, How have you not seen it? And I happen to have Colette, who's probably the, you know, like one of the two biggest Star Trek fans I know. And the only one that lives in this town. And Roman, who I think is a fan, but has... uh, it's been a long time, I think, since he's been watching it. Like, the first time I watched Wrath of Khan was, you know, like, within the first months of working at the comic shop. I was that, Watching Wrath of Khan was when I learned what working at that comic shop was. And it was, like, two people eating QQ Lee's Asian takeout food and watching Wrath of Khan while working. And it was very good. Um, but I just wanted to bounce some episodes off you guys talk about a couple things uh like um i I happen to know i've got a couple of my favorite episodes that i've watched on my phone here (laughs) and i'm excited to see if you all remember them i know colette does maybe roman does um from the descriptions i'm terrible episode names well, I, I ended up, um, I have to look at what the name of the episode was, but I ended up actually texting Roman with a very important, like, hey, man, you need to watch this episode. Um, <laughs> and actually, Claude, I'm excited. I'm going to jump to that one in just a second. Let me find it. Um, yes. The one that, one, probably one of my three favorites that I've watched, and it's the one that I texted Roman and was like, hey, no context, but you need to go watch this episode of Star Trek The Next Year. Apropos of... Like, I haven't pushed, pushed him to watch any Star Trek, but he just got a very aggressive message one day of, like, go do this. And, Colette, it was season five, episode two, the episode Darmok. <laughs> and Jamada, Tanegra. <laughs> okay, okay, so you know. Um, <laughs> Darmok and Jalal and Tanagra. Um, and when the walls fell. When the walls fell. And uh, that is... 
yeah, one of, it, what, one of the things that it reminded me of and what I love so much about it was that there was like for the first year and a half that Roman and I worked together, there was a thing would happen consistently where I would say something and it would like not be the correct usage of language or it would not be the correct usage of whatever. <laughs> and, and, and Roman would be like, Oh, that's not like, Oh, thanks zoom. Uh, he, you know, like Roman would be like, Hey, that's, you know, not right. And, and I always would fall back on this like, yeah, but do you know what I'm talking about? And he'd be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but that's not how you use English. And, and I would be like, well, I don't care. Cause like, isn't the root of language, the ability to convey meaning. And he's like, yeah, but also it's an institution and words mean something. And, and that was a thing that like, for like the first year and a half of us working together, we would kind of like the, as close to butting heads as Roman and I has ever gotten would just sort of be like my disregard for the, the English language and my kind of like likeness to explore with it. And Roman's sort of love of the English language and his love of like people adhering to it. I don't know flexibility. anything. <laughs> I don't know that anything that pisses Jeff off more than being corrected regularly, and something yeah. that pisses Roman off more than improper grammar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. I, I'm Colette. That is exactly right. Um, and Roman was the first instance of me needing to like meet that all the time, which is just sort of like can you not correct me? Like we get like, yes, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'm wrong, but I'm mostly just trying to get from here to there. And if we got there, were any of us really wrong? Um, and that episode is, is, uh, you know, Picard going to a planet and needing to learn how to speak to a race of aliens that, um, use language in the exact opposite way that uh, Picard does. I keep wanting to say Kirk for some reason, but, um, and it's just the best. There's also actually, so Jared and I just started rewatching All the Next Generation. We kind of skipped through the first two seasons for just our favorite episodes, and then starting at season three, we're working our way through. And I can't remember what episode it is now, but someone makes a comment about um, they're trying to figure out communication and, um, like, what would you do if you were uh, stuck on a planet with someone that you with incompatible languages? And I was like, hey, you do that later. <laughs> um, Roman, did you like watching that episode? We haven't really I, talked about it. I, I, I did. And I remembered it once, you know, I was like part way into it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's this one. Okay. Um, yeah. In fact, I liked it so much. I ended up Googling afterwards and somewhere i don't know what some high flute magazine the atlantic or something i ended up reading this article about you know breaking down the episode and and unfortunately it got into like some linguistic stuff i said well actually this part of this point of the episode was incorrect i was like oh i don't want to hear that yeah, well, that's how i always feel because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you also and yeah our first year or whatever whatever um taught me okay I don't, I shouldn't be so inflexible. <laughs> and of course the episode, Picard, though I know it's like he ever thinks of himself as inflexible that he learns the same thing. Going, well, well, wait, there's, there's, I, I can learn to perceive what this guy's trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just, the, the thing that has really stunned me about Star Trek, the next generation is, is its ability to have an episode that I then think about for like three days. Like it, yeah. And that is like, I don't, I don't, I can't think of much other television that does that regularly. Like just 
it's it's astounding and i'm i've stalled out a little bit i'm near the end of season six right now um and i was going through like four episodes a day for a while there and and now it's more like every couple of days i watch one um but yeah like that that's one that just really stuck it was like the day or two after having watched it that i was like i gotta i gotta tell roman to watch this like it's it's, it's stuck in my head it was such a curious text when you sent me that because i was like hmm i wonder why he wants me to watch that specific episode so much yeah yeah <laughs> it was great yeah it's just i i a thing i come back to time and time again with star trek is like my deep respect for everyone in it like mm-hmm. a a deep desire to do right by others and um picard particularly like his nobility is mm-hmm. is it just it floors me time and time again um so that one really de- dignified him i think it's always so every time i watch through it which has been many times in my life um i just am always so floored by how much everyone is flawed makes mistakes but everyone is trying to be their best self and trying to do good in the world in the universe and and that the the intention is so noble and that mistakes can be made but when they're made with noble intentions and a willingness to acknowledge them and move forward that we all come together and we all are advancing as cultures and creatures. And it, I don't know, you, you rewatch it and there's these moments that are so dated, but it's okay because yeah. it's trying. It wants to be representing a best world, even though, there's plenty of times where things are going on that it's like, whoa, you thought you were really progressive and that is so not okay at this point. Like we just watched the one with, um, uh, they're negotiating for the rights to a wormhole. And, um, and the, one of the negotiators is this just smarmy dude that Deanna has this connection with. And it's just like this textbook lesson in, uh, how to manipulate a woman into liking you. But at the same time, she has this scene with with Dr. Crusher where they're working out and they're just talking about flings and throwing yourself into a relationship for the fun of it, knowing full well that it could burn out or whatnot. And it's one of the more it's one of the more progressive conversations I've ever seen of women talking about relationships mm-hmm. from the time in an episode with this really smarmy, really despicable example of a courtship. And it, it, it's fascinating and always really just inspiring to me, no matter how long it's been. And I love it. I love it so much. One episode I just recently watched that really touched me in a profound way was um, the episode where Scotty comes back. Scotty's a Scottish guy, right? From the original yeah. series. Yeah. Uh, the engineer. He, I forget why or how he shows up on the Enterprise, but um, the whole episode goes by. But ultimately, the climax of the episode is him going into the hollow deck with some like real fancy strong liquor and having the holodeck look like the original enterprise and picard shows up and it's scotty and picard sharing really strong liquor in a representation of the original enterprise and 
you know, just that a statement that I cannot escape from is Scotty just sort of says like, you know, you, you fall in love with a lot of people and you make a lot of relationships in your life, but there's no, there's like nothing ever quite touches that first love. And he's talking about the first, you know, star bridge that he was on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, that's a really salient point, which is that like, I have a hard time growing past my memories of what was important and remembering that like those memories are a smaller life and they couldn't be that big in this current life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just sort of like, man, I'm using Star Trek to deal with my like adult ass, like psychological blocks. And this show came out 25 years ago. Uh, so amazing. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it. My dad and I would watch it together when I was a kid, when he was still alive. And that was kind of our thing was Star Trek. And even when it wasn't easy between the two of us, like we could always sit down and watch next gen together. And, um, I, I am very grateful that I got to grow up with that as an example being put forward to me. I, it, the, the role models that it provided and the lessons about humanity and kindness and compassion and, and adventures and the, yeah, it, it does not get the credit that it's due. And I agree. Even the cheesy episodes in the beginning, like some of them, yes, there's some garbage, but there's always going to be a moment that is surprisingly profound yeah. or really worth noting. And things like like Measure of a Man, when they have the, the trial to see if Data has the right to... Um, decline being experimented on and Picard like goes to bat for him yeah and Riker yeah. has to try oh and my have God, him the and Riker just, shit and the, the just deep self-loathing that Riker has for having to do that and and the way data talks to him about it uh-huh and, and the the arguments that Picard makes about humanity and racism and sentience and slavery and just all these things that you if you hear someone saying like oh he does a little speech about all these things you'd be oh god they shoehorned all that in it's got right. me but it's so simple and beautiful and the acting is Ugh. so much better than it deserves to be for the level that the show was and so in that one for any listener who hasn't been watching star trek the next generation uh somebody needs to take apart data and Data was like, oh, I don't really want to be taken apart because who knows if I'll be able to be put back together. And Picard is like, yeah, you're right. That does smell bad. I don't think you can do that. And they're like, well, we got to have a trial to see if you can do that. So Picard, you can defend Data if you want, but somebody on your fleet has to defend me taking apart Data. And, and if you don't do that, we're just going to default to take him apart. And Riker is the, is the person they select to do it, and he doesn't want to do it. And he, he does it, and Picard and Data win. But at the very end, Riker goes to data and he's just feeling depressed and he says to data like i'm you know like I, I just feel so guilty about this and then data was like well you did a thing where you had to defend taking me apart and if you hadn't have done that i would have immediately been taken apart and you having done that sounds like a really difficult thing but it saved me so it sounds like you did a really difficult thing for your friend <laughs> and just like his ability to leave it at that of just like, it sounds like you underwent great hardship to, you know, protect me. And that was the episode where I kind of, 
I'm curious what you guys think about this. Is Riker like the camera? Is 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 Riker? If every piece of fiction has to have a protagonist that you kind of identify with, or sort of like the Luke Skywalker, quote unquote, and like, and that sucks that it's sort of like, especially in a male dominated time. But if I had to pick like one character in Star Trek that seems like the sort of protagonist of the hero's journey or something. It seems like maybe it's Riker because almost Picard is like elevated above that. I'm curious what anybody else thinks about that. Well, they Riker was supposed to be the handsome Kirk type because Roddenberry really, really wanted the captain to be like a Kirk, just like the handsome heart throb. Um, and uh, apparently um, Stuart was actually had been denied an audition multiple times because he was bald. And he was like, if I come, if I wear a toupee, will you give me an audition? And so they agreed to let him do it. And he spent, he came early and he was walking around the studio trying to find a makeup artist to apply his toupee. And, uh, and when he got to the audition, the he'd been seen by enough people they, they were like why are you wearing that like you look just fine <laughs> and Roddenberry got voted out on his uh forcing uh picard to be the heartthrob wow. so then Riker kind of had to be the um the rakish heartthrob uh for the show and um and i think because in the beginning he was written to be the the sleeps with every lady on a planet and the the charmer and the handsome guy as the show evolved and he had the opportunity to be less and less shoehorned into that role we got to see him go on a a larger character arc than i think a lot of the other characters had because so many of them were written um to have more of a core nobility to them and like defined the role uh-huh yeah. Um, but I, I've never really looked at it that way. And, and I think that you've got a point that he, he definitely has more of a journey than a lot of the characters. Or maybe the most um, relatable as well. Like he, like he is more challenged by his circumstances and rises to it. Whereas like Picard, he's amazing. He's the mm-hmm. character, but you expect him to be noble and you expect him like he he's almost on a pedestal i think a lot of them are on a pedestal whereas riker mm-hmm. at times like the viewer i can i can kind of relate to the challenge of the viewer being mimicked by him also i suffer from like always kind of needing to be able to identify with the protagonist in a story mm-hmm. um which like justin that's the thing justin and i have talked about for a long time and he he oftentimes will like identify with a tertiary side character and I'm sort of like, well, I got to find the main person to, you know, identify with or something. So, yeah, Crusher was who I always had oh. a, a strong connection to as a kid. She was who I I idolized out of. And everybody. Diana, both of them though, like, are so <laughs> fucking love both those characters. Weird fact. Just, yeah. Uh, Marina Sirtis, who plays Deanna Troy, has my birthday. So does Lucy Lawless, who played Deanna on uh, Battlestar Galactica. She also has the original birthday. Battlestar Galactica. No, follow up. She was one of the Lucy Wallace is in the show. Yeah, she was the blonde reporter. She was one of the Cylons. She's she gets boxed after a while. I well, want to spoilers say spoilers for Battlestar Galactica. Um, <laughs> uh, you're a twenty year old show. 
<laughs> and my mom's name is Deanna. So fun, weird little oh, coincidences. <laughs> I've only watched Battlestar the one time, so I actually need to give her a re-go. I watched that when we moved into the new store. Roman, I should, do you I should watch that now because I've only seen Battlestar season one. <laughs> oh, dude. Do you need it? Because I've got the DVD box set, the Blu-ray box set. <laughs> he, he's got yeah. my HBO, but um, it should be on there. Wait, was it? It was sci-fi. Never mind. It was not HBO. Know. It yeah. feels like an HBO show. It's it's great enough. Hmm. That, was a, that was a good question, Jeff, because like Colette, I've never thought about that either <clears throat> in regards to Riker. Um, I guess my automatic response to that was that's how I think of Data, kind of. Is, is mm. I mean, Data's the one that I most identified with on that show. That, that doesn't and, surprise me. <laughs> does it? <laughs> that and Colette, who's the guy, well, either one of you, who's the guy that, he was an ensign or something. He would—he was a real minor character. Would show up like every, I don't know, a couple times a season or something. And he was just kind of a loser and a <laughs> medic. You know we, what I mean, don't you? We were gonna talk about this. <laughs> we did talk about this before you got here. Before oh, really? <laughs> we started recording. Um, that is Barclay. Barclay, yes, Lieutenant Barclay. <laughs> And yeah, I've uh, I've been for like two years behind your back, saying that you're you're Berkeley. <laughs> With a lot of love, yes, but um, but that that is a comparison that Colette has made. And before we started recording, I was like, "I'm going to bring that up, Colette. I'm going to out you." She said, it, she said it like one time, like two years ago. She, like somebody asked, like if everyone was a version of the person on the Star Trek, who would who be? And she was like, "I kind of think Roman would be him." But he even had a really good episode. I just yeah. I, watched most recently a couple weeks ago the episode where he has to like transport and he finds all the little like microbe infection in the yeah the transport unit and that that he had a great arc in that um back to data though data um i also recently watched the episode where um jordy and ensign roe uh, like, yeah, they, they quote unquote die. Like they, people think that they die and they don't die. So they're just sort of like out of phase. Yeah. Um, and everyone's like kind of mourning that loss. And in that episode, data says data. I don't say, I, I, either way. I say data. <laughs> um, but data says, I would like to perform Jordy's like, you know, funeral. Cause he's my best friend. And I was like, Whoa. Is Picard not your best friend? Because I think that you're Picard's best friend. Are you? I, this is a this is like a, a layered inferiority complex I'm channeling on here because I know that feeling, and now I'm a little bit worried about Picard's ego. Picard is his mentor. Yeah, he's, you're right. he's more of a father figure to Data, and and Picard's not the That's type to point. be best friends with anyone on the crew. That he has a tight bond with them, but his he his big connections are we meet them sporadically throughout they're outside of the crew he's got these he compartmentalizes enough that's part of how he's such a great leader um okay well so then to that note i have an episode i want to bring up i know colette knows it because at this point i'm just going to defer to the fact that colette has all of them memorized but but roman i'll see if you also know this episode but it's in season six so it's one i watched recently um but it's the one where there's like the female who is from a race where she becomes whatever the male around her most wants her to become. And in doing so, Picard falls in love with her. 
Yeah. And she needs to, she, but they're only in this, a situation where they're physically close because she needs to be brought to this other race of aliens to be used as basically like a dowry type thing. And, and it's this like amazing sort of moral conversation about like, okay, Picard, like, do you actually care about this person? You're our most noble character. Do you actually care about this character or is it just that she is whatever you most want in a person and therefore you do love her? Like just right. How do you untie <laughs> this knot? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, you know, and at the end of all of those kind of going back and forth, is it okay? Could it be the same thing? I mean, if it's right. your ideal, of course, ideals don't exist, but if it's your, you're practically your ideal, well, of course you're going to love your ideal. But is it real? But, it's, but, but, but whole, who is she really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if her whole existence is being there, well, who's to say that that's not her and therefore it's not true? Because if she, she's not hiding who she is to change to be whoever she's with's ideal, she changes. Genuinely, to be. Yeah. yeah. So then, the yeah, I think it's fascinating. That, that is, I, so she's honestly the best kind of other than Crusher kind of match for him too out of all the women that he yeah. kind of has dalliances with. I love yeah. how much when like Picard separates out like his Indiana Jones episode and everything, the women he ends up with are always pretty like kind of trashy and terrible. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> but I, like, that also makes sense to me oh, as yeah. well, right? Like mm -hmm. those noble people, they've got to be slumming it somewhere in their life. Yeah. <laughs> that episode always made me wonder. So if two people from this planet and they all have these abilities or is it just the women i think it's just the women and then they once they get to a certain age kind of like a duck there's an imprinting thing that happens and they permanently become that okay. so if she was like approaching some time where if she had stayed with picard um then she would have permanently been that person doesn't she it's been a while since i've seen that one doesn't isn't because she's so close a little bit of the person she was with Picard is already imprinted on her. Like she'll change enough for the guy she's going to be with, but that, that might be true. I, it's that like this poignant when they leave after all this question, that she holds a little she bit of is actually staying a little bit who she was yeah. with him. And therefore they are being broken apart and their life love is being taken away. Yeah. I think I remember that right. Um, do the two of you have like uh, a kind of a favorite episode? Like, I, I think that I have one so far. And like when I finish the whole series, I'll probably kind of get the data out in front of me and look at like what are my favorites. But I do have one that like has really, really stuck with me that right after watching it, like I remember explaining it to Django and Roman, like on a Tuesday morning sorting books. Um, I'm I'm curious if the two of you have an episode that after all this time has kind of stuck with you in a way that you could maybe argue is your favorite. Go ahead, Colette. Uh, I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I mean, I have the ones that really stick out in my memory, but some of them are for the, like, the fun of that one. Some of them are for the campy. Like, I love when Jordy turns into the lizard. It, it's, like, not one of the better episodes, but it's just weird and fun and poor Jordy. like you know when it's a Jordy episode something terrible is about i know happen. that it's, it's like character. an old doctor who episode yeah <laughs> at least he got his eyes back at some point you know somewhere yeah. they're like well, let the man have his eyes yeah um 
and then there's like I you know there are four lights dude i watched that just a couple like weeks ago that is an amazing two-part episode it's incredible just so powerful and then there are some that just make me tear up every time and 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 it's hard to say too because there will be a terrible episode but there's one little moment that's so poignant and so perfect I don't but, think I've had an episode yeah. that I feel is terrible because, like, every single one packs a message. You skipped a lot of the beginning ones. I skipped a lot of the first two seasons. I yeah. Like, three or four episodes of the first two seasons. I, I followed a list of, like, hey, the first bit of the series is rough, so if you want to get through it, here's the ones you need to watch. Yeah, and that's what I'm – there are yeah. some Yeah, bad I believe that. Even the-, the good ones in the first two seasons are still pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, the first two seasons, I, I was like Riker, for instance. The first two seasons, I absolutely hated him. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I hope this macho prick gets killed. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. really have an ident like a relatable role in the first yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. Do you well, have a favorite moment? Um, yeah, yeah. Know, kind of the same answer is yours. Um, I can't. Of course, I'd also have to go down a list of like episodes because because it's been long enough since I've watched any, except for the Darmok one. Um, I don't know which ones, but yeah, there's so many moments in next generation history that pop out at me. I don't know if I have a favorite one. Um, I have like favorite character arcs and things like I'm, mm-hmm. I loved all the stuff with like Worf and oh. him learning to like love and his son eventually. Oh my God. And his <laughs> like his, the, the the betrayal of his father that's not real, but like this like two or three season arc of like him being exiled by the Klingons and yeah. obeying that because of his respect for the race, but like knowing it's incorrect and then finally getting that back after a couple of years, like that is an amazing character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jeff, just wait till you get to DS9. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I, man. If after- you love Worf and all that stuff, it's just... Okay. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. I'm spacing, but I, I'm excited. The next one I'm going to watch is either Enterprise <laughs> or Voyager. I have to... I have. It might be Voyager. Um, but I know, I know, I know. Never- but it's... I, it's the, the person who made me start watching it, I can't remember which of the two because I get the t- confused. So one of them is not it, but it's either Voyager or Enterprise that he... It's gotta be Voyager. Enterprise was so. the last one that they made. And okay. it, it is worth watching when you're so attached to the Star Trek model that you'll take any... for Because it, it's... Yeah. I think I mean, Voyager yeah. is his favorite of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what I told him I was going to watch tonight. But Deep Space Nine, I used to have a picture, like a poster in my bedroom of the Ferengi from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Quark, is that his name? Quark, yeah. yeah. I, had a, I had a poster of him in my bedroom growing up just because my dad was so into Star Trek. I thought I would be making him proud by having that in my bedroom. But, um, <laughs> um, but the, the episode, I don't, because my phone has died, I don't remember the name. I think it was either season three or season four. It's kind of early. But an episode that I think embodies like what i love most about star trek and it and it might not be my favorite episode but it really does sort of embody the spirit of what i love so much about the show is colette you'll know immediately and roman will remember me talking about it but it's the episode where they go down to a planet that has not, is pre-warp and they have oh yeah to, i just watched that one the where there's the blind the duck blind 
falters and their um their like scene and mm-hmm. ultimately um Riker and maybe Diana are down there mm-hmm. like in disguise and Picard has to go down and talk to the elder of this culture and explain in a not terrifying way like hey maybe there's more sophisticated life in the universe than you guys and don't be scared but i'm gonna like the way that he intellectualizes explaining to this person how some like the way that he does it is not like hey we're from the future and we have this advanced technology he's he goes the opposite he's like hey do you think about your ancestors like where did they sleep and then she was like you know on the floor and he's like yeah where do you sleep? She's like, well, we sleep in houses. And he's like, what do you think your ancestor would think about you sleeping in a house? And she's like, well, I don't know. That'd be pretty crazy. He's like, okay, what are your, the, what are your future descendants? What do you think that they would say to you about the way that you do stuff? Like, it's, it's the most beautiful example of how to try and convey a very foreign idea to somebody that you respect. And it's like, it's the to me it's like the the it's all of what i love about star trek distilled which is like how do you demonstrate a profound respect for everyone around you even when you're operating on very different playing fields mm-hmm. and and like it it moved me to tears and it's one that i haven't been able to shake since then because it is it's something that i try to carry in my life every day i'm just like don't talk down to people like don't assume that you know more you just know different things at different times than other people you're on a different point in the journey and the whole portion where the anthropologists that have been watching them are saying you know they already accidentally think that you are a god you brought back the belief in deities these people were completely about reason and now they believe that the old myths about gods are true and the picard is the god um really the most effective way of dealing with this is going to be for you to give them a set of tenets and guidelines to live by that involves not worshiping the gods that exist. And and his response to that is the best. No, absolutely not. And, And then you see in every way that he tries to explain everything to, to her and then the group the the careful wording to avoid anything that makes them f- seem worth worshiping yeah. even if they're not a god because even when so, so the thing that like really makes it is that someone on the crew dies and he they can't save the person and so the woman is just baffled and like oh Why you can't you bring them back from that from the death maybe you're not a god but that, you know, you think about like Marvel and like the gods from Asgard and whatnot. They're, they're really just a different evolution right. and species, but they're like, yeah, call us gods because we are so much more powerful than you that we might as well be. That there's such a care for not wanting that to be the perception and, and everything that he says and does with it. Also the daughter. The voice of Bobby Hill. Oh, isn't, yeah. Well, so, but your description also reminded me, and I love the voice of Bobby Hill. Amazing. Yeah, um, but what you reminded me of is that uh, 
when when the it, it's not part of the enterprise but somebody is like well you need to just pretend or maybe they are but it's a passing character they're like you just need to pretend that you are a god and tell to give them these tenants to live by like you said and picard's speech and this is what i tried to tell Django and roman was just like if you are asking me to pretend to be a god and send this entire planet of people back to the age of superstition and paranoia <laughs> only just recently escaped fuck you like that like that the nobility of the idea of like no even though that might be a right answer the idea of lying and the idea of making a race feel less than another race is so despicable that I'm not going to do that because this race doesn't deserve to think that they're less than anybody. It's just like, it's so holy. It's so yeah. like <laughs> profoundly good and profoundly moving. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the, the the, that has the most of my favorite parts of Star Trek. Yeah. The, the strong agnostic in me too loves the amount that he like respectfully expresses disdain yeah. for religion. <laughs> religion yeah <laughs> and specifically the controlling style yeah. of religion yeah his wording of like to send them back to the era of superstition and paranoia yes. is like ooh, picard i love oh. you and and all of this all of my love for this and watching this has sprung out of from watching picard has everybody finished picard no not yet okay i'm halfway through and it was just i've had to avoid anything dark or heavy well, or you, like You'll enjoy it. You will enjoy it more than I did because you will understand it more than I did. And <laughs> that being said, I I really enjoyed the last couple episodes, and I'm eager to hear what the two of you think about it on the other side of all of this. So, when the two of you have finished watching it, mm -hmm. um, please communicate with each other and send the the Jeff signal out, and we'll all sit down and watch <laughs> it or talk about it because I, uh, I have questions for people who know more, which is the both of you. That would be fun because I've only seen the first episode and, and I saw it twice because I watched it with a friend who actually remembers like specific like characters and episode names, which I don't remember any of that. Yeah. And every time, like every few scenes, she was like, oh, remember this is from episode blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I saw it. Who knows? <laughs> Did anybody see the interview that... Patrick Stewart had when he went on The View with Whoopi Goldberg and, and the women that co-host The View and it yeah. was him promoting Picard and he oh. just stops in the middle of it and he says, Whoopi, I just want to formally take this moment to invite you to join us for season two of Picard. Oh. And he, and I started, I started crying. He's like, being with you and filming Star Trek was one of the best moments, and it, it made it feel like home. And I would be honored if you would join us for the second season. And she agrees to do it. And I'm just like, oh my god, like oh. she is such an amazing character in oh. Next Generation. Oh, I love Guinan yeah. so much. Yeah. So, so, so she'll come back for season two, and I'm just like so. Oh. Lavar Burton is cool. doing it too. Good, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No offense to Whoopi Goldberg, but Guinan's the best thing she ever did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. she's amazing, and yeah. and that character, like, I guess at my point in the Star Trek series, I don't know where she like how she and Picard really met or what her whole thing is. She's kind of a mysterious character. Oh. You're gonna find yeah, out. Okay. Find out. <laughs> cool. Because there is the episode where like 
uh, Mark Twain and they go back in time yeah, okay, and yeah, yeah. Data's head, it gets severed and, yeah. and Guinan is from then, but I don't really know how she became eternal or ageless and living Her forever. Okay, okay, but was she yeah. a human in that episode? No, she was an alien living on Earth. Okay, and did she, she know she was an alien? Mm-hmm. I think okay. her speed, her whole thing is that she's just lived centuries and centuries and just gone out and experienced and listened because she left her culture very early. Um, or no, they were taken out by the Borg and she yeah. escaped. Yeah, and um, and she's just been living a million lifetimes, experiencing and learning and and just being with people. Um, her relationship with Picard is profound yeah it's it yeah. is it's chef's kiss it is like the res- like the platonic respect between the two of them and possible like deeper respect between the two of them is uh absolutely beautiful and her advice is always oh. so good yeah it's not it's kind of astounding to me how on point and perfect it always is and it's ageless and insightful and always something someone needs to hear to work through the lessons that are being taught in that episode. I love when uh, Jordy is having trouble with women, the episode where he uh, falls in love with the hologram version of the scientist. And, um, and he's just complaining to her about being bad with women. And, and she's like, well, you're doing fine now. And he's like, well, I'm not trying with, you know, right now. And she's like, exactly (laughs) it's just this perfect little exchange of a simple message that somehow everyone misses yeah yeah Yeah. everyone thinks they need to be something other than who they are it Mm -hmm. who i can't remember which of the two you brought it up but for when we were in the old comic shop somebody was doing a star trek trivia night and they made posters and it had confusingly it had three white lights on it and they had a text caption that said there are four lights and then I finally got to that episode. In reality, there are four lights, but they're trying to make Picard say that there are five lights. Um, But I've been excited the entire time watching this to get to that final moment because for months, it seemed like there were posters around me that said there are four lights and I didn't understand it. And and that is a two-part episode that I just got to. And that is one that also, like, it's amazing to me that a show that is as old as it is can defy my idea for what is going on so in that episode picard and crusher and one other person get pulled aside for a secret option like a secret covert ops mission and uh a, like a, a replacement captain comes into the, the enterprise and he's just a dick like he he's he he's maybe good at what he does but he's also an asshole and he doesn't show anybody the respect and like 20 minutes into the first episode of the two i was like okay well like He's going to be a hard ass. He's going to end up being a really good captain. And Riker is going to learn to respect other captains aside from Picard. And just made me create this idea of what was going to happen. And it wasn't correct. Mm-hmm. And, and for a show that is this old to have, like, to be able to defy my, like, it's very influential. And even still, it can do new things. And, and what they did with status quo and power dynamics in those two episodes was profoundly mu- moving. And like Riker that's one of the ones that really ironed out like Riker to me is kind of the viewer's protagonist because he has the most butting heads with this other captain, but he also never really surrenders to him. Anyway, it's, 
it's great. And there are four lights. There are four lights. Yeah. And that was one that like, uh, it's such an interesting example of Picard too. And his, you see him so stripped down and put at his most vulnerable and being literally physically and mentally broken and also watching someone who's thought to be very strong and assertive and and capable uh failing where he triumphs so much mm-hmm. at the on the ship and so you're seeing him so vulnerable and broken and still fighting back and also being shown just how amazing of a captain he is yeah. without him even being there and, yeah and it's it's such a powerful example of of the 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 strength of his character and that one has always stuck with me really well i was i don't know maybe a little too young to be watching those when i saw them or something because that i remember being kind of disturbed by watching picard being tortured and And that's stripped and naked and and it's very christ-like like like very like naked and abused and you know like it's it's yeah to see someone that was such an example of that safe paternal figure that that kind but strong and stern and noble and untouchable kind of character being so vulnerable and stripped down and beaten just kind of like it got i remember as a child it got under my skin and kind of haunted me for a long yeah. time but it's it's disturbing it's because it's so good and it's so well done and the cardassians are one of the best villains ever created cardassians cardassians are such great villains and romulans are like, there's romulans and what's the other one's a similar name oh um spock Vulcans. 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 Yeah, sorry. Vulcans and Romulan. It took me a couple seasons to realize that I had lumped those two races together mm. because they do have a similarity, but they're different. And, but yeah, um, Romulans and Cardassians, I do love that they create villains in this show that are not villains, but they're so, they're like so in their cultural sort of thrust that they, yeah, that, that, that is uh, a really, really interesting thing. The Cardassians are fantastic villains. Um, well, there's some similar, yeah. really interesting, like when we have more time to discuss this too, like the, the different, um, different species are actually analogies for different cultures I believe in that. the world at the time, like yeah. the Russians and the yeah. Germans, like it's the, the depth that they actually went to in creating these cultures and, and following the, the, um, actually creating full and understandable cultures that you would understand why a Romulan raised within their world would truly believe the things that they do and why a Cardassian would be so broken and cruel. And it's not to just preach the guy that I love, but it kind of reminds me of Jonathan Hickman's ability when he writes a story, he seems to like fully conceptualize cultures and and ideologies. Mm -hmm. And and that seems particularly present East of West, which I'm, I'm reading right now, but his other things as well, like, um, I think the way that he writes stories is by sort of farming political ideas and then creating holistic cultures that have opposing ideologies and, and really nobly evolving them. And, and Star Trek, I think, does that really, really well. Roman, I'm curious. I'm just fucking watching Star Trek right now. Colette has, 
she's the mother spirit and has always been watching Star Trek. <laughs> you have watched all of Star Trek, and Chris Clow, who worked at the shop before me, is a huge Trekker, Trekkie, Star Trek fan. Now, I'm not trying to use terms. He's a big... <laughs> Uh, uh, a Trekian auto is what I mean. I'm going to say a new one because I don't want to offend anyone's ideologies. But I just noticed my wharf on the wall behind me. In I my, see him now. Video feed. Okay. <laughs> um, but Roman, I'm curious. So you seem to know all these episodes, but like need a, a, just a sort of hint of dusting it off and you immediately yeah. remember it. So I'm curious, as someone who has watched it all and kind of seems to have it on the shelf in, internally ready to discuss is there like dragon ball z is my favorite thing and if somebody's like hey you like dragon ball z i have a couple scenes that i can always pull out that have stuck with me forever i'm curious do you have things of star trek that are sort of stuck in you that like when i say star trek it kind of pulls a memory of a scene that you have like i i'm saying this to say i don't want to ask you your favorite episode because that might be tricky for you, but is there a scene or a moment that has stuck with you that you remember that you feel comfortable saying is a really great scene that has in fact done just that? Yeah, well, you already mentioned one of them um, when uh, with Scotty and Picard. Oh. Yeah, that, that's that's one of them right there. The, oh um, God, it's good. It's good. I'm trying to remember, it's like the whole, in the whole episode of, I forget, I don't know what it's called, but um, the one where uh, uh, Picard and Data are doing the Sherlock Holmes bit on the holodeck. Yeah. Is that the Wait, which one? one? There's two. Yeah, because there's, there's the one where Moriarty oh. escapes and gets oh. out. And that one is much later. That one's season six. And I, yeah. I just watched that one a couple of weeks ago. But I think there's the one before it where they, yeah. Oh, okay. Is Pulaski See. in it? <laughs> Pulaski? Yeah, Dr. Pulaski. For the one season that Crusher wasn't on, there was Dr. Pulaski, who's the voice of um, uh, from next or, um, from Batman the Animated Series, um, uh, um, Dr. Tompkins. Oh wow! I, yeah, I don't really I remember anybody except Crusher being the doctor on on that Enterprise. <laughs> uh, Gates McFadden was being severely sexually harassed by a crew member during all of season one, oh, and geez. when she voiced her complaints, she was pushed out out of the production and so she left and there was such a huge pushback from fans and the rest of the crew were able to fight it enough that she was able to come back from pause pause it pause it right here so i don't remember the first sherlock holmes episode I, i only remember the second one which where they talked about the first one but it sounds like it was maybe the second season which i didn't watch every episode of so Go back and saying, watch that one. It's great. You're saying that someone was sexually harassing the actress that played Crusher? Mm-hmm. Do we know who it was? Uh, maybe. I don't remember. Was it, and you said it was a crew, crew member. It wasn't one of the cast. Oh. Um, also the film yeah. crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not what the... Not the- yeah, crew is a loaded <laughs> term here. I thought oh, yeah. you were talking about like... I was like, is Riker? Is yeah, it was Riker. It had to be Riker. Um, no, no. It was like a, a, a producer or a gripper or somebody. I don't know. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Man, she's an amazing character. And what's amazing mm-hmm. to me is that like in the movie, like all of the next generation movies, correct me, did they take place after the series was over? Mhm. Yeah. So Diana yeah. looks totally different. To me. Yeah. She's like her hair is like more blonde and she like also she's in Picard at one point and she, like, she just looks like she 
evolved as a human being after that show and then yeah. we put her in the show and it's like whoa you look different she's the one character to me that looked at diana um but those i've only watched first contact and insurrection uh, and i still have to watch one and then nemesis i think generations is fun nemesis just kind of feels like a long episode it's not a bad episode but it's just a really long yeah, episode it's a long one. Yeah. insurrection i was like i don't even think i finished the last like 15 minutes of it insurrection i was like this is fine but it had that long episode feel and it was it was only okay it has the the race of aliens where their skin is like fucking tight on their face oh wait i'm mixing up i'm mixing up um nemesis and insurrection nemesis is like romulan cover yeah. and it's the one where data spoiler i know that data mm-hmm. dies in that one yeah and, yeah um, I always insurrection is kind names. of boring yeah yeah insurrection is kind of boring okay um generations is fun though because it's got it's guidance in it it's got more of a play of kind of like old original star trek right. next generation weird time bubble kind of thing you know it, i don't actually remember the plot i just remember moments from it but i haven't watched that watching. one but okay i will watch that but but roman just, do you do you have any do you have any moments do you have any episodes do you have a thing sure well sure I mean, <laughs> i'm trying to think of now more episodes in next generation because i can pick out ones from like the original series and the movies yeah but, um, or just even favorite scenes i don't mean to push it on you just sort of i want to i want to make sure there's a fair amount of roman input about what is good about star trek oh <laughs> um, there's so much well actually one of my very first ones and it's not even a scene so much as just the memory around when next generation when the premiere episode encounter at farpoint came wow. out i was uh that summer was my first like taxed like official job um and i remember i was ticked off because i got i gotta work tonight i gotta go wash dishes and the new star trek show is premiering um and my parents taped it for me and 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 i rushed home so excited to watch it i remember and i remember clearly like watching it you know on the vcr as soon as i got home like midnight or something it's like oh boy star trek um then watched it again later with my parents because my my mom especially is a big star trek fan so um, when I was, when I was young, when I was very young, my dad, um, who was a school psychologist, he, when I was like three to like eight, he would run the science fiction club at the high school. So he would, the science fiction and fantasy convention, NorwestCon that I go to every year, the very first year that I went to it, I was in sixth grade. I was 12 years old and I had spent my entire life with my dad being gone Easter weekend, taking all of the high schoolers to this science fiction convention, which was always on Easter. And when I was 12, I found he, he just took me and my best friend Wyatt at the time. Um, but, uh, but before that time, the science fiction club would meet at our house to watch Star Trek, the next generation every night or every week night that it would come out. And we had an upstairs where all of the bedrooms were. And then we had a downstairs where I grew up, as an adult, I was sleeping in the basement. Anyway, but upstairs, there was a staircase that would go downstairs. And it was a long sort of hallway staircase that would go down. So you couldn't see the staircase from the basement or the top. It was enclosed. And I was very much like Jeff today, intimidated by everyone that is older and cooler and wiser and likes better stuff. So what I would do when the science fiction club would meet at my house and it was past my bedtime, I would sneak into the staircase and I would sit on the stairs halfway down where no one could hear me or see me. And I would listen to episodes of Star Trek's The Next Generation when I was supposed to be in bed, but no one could see me and none of the high schoolers would know I was there because they were scary (laughs) and cool. 
and it's weird how my life is all just kind of a variation on that theme but um but you know similar like your parents taping it for you i no memory of any episode but i just remember sitting on the staircase hiding trying to listen to this thing to be cool like all these other people oh very very (laughs) cool stuff well before we get out of here Mm -hmm. i want to do one thing that um and plug a thing that i'm going to regret plugging and (laughs) um and and do a thing that has snuck into the end of several of these video meetings but it, it doesn't make any sense to the outside world yet but um Roman, can I get a hold of you when I wake up in the morning and record a small podcast with you about Batman issue 656? Depends what time you wake up. I've got a nine o'clock. Wait. I wake up later than you. (laughs) Maybe. Well, I've got a nine nine to ten meeting for the museum. Cool. If you are able to read issue 656 of Batman either tonight or tomorrow morning before like 11, um, would 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 it be cool if I sent you a message around 11-ish and uh, we recorded a, a short? Okay, that is a small teaser. I have bitten off more than I can chew. <laughs> and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I am trying to do a podcast where in a perfect world, I would release four podcasts a week, Monday through Thursday, one a day, going issue by issue through Grant Morrison's Batman run. And what I think would be cool about that would also be to have people who've never read it before read a random issue and talk to me about it and see how it sits on the palate of someone who's not read it or doesn't have an undying love of Grant Morrison. I've got a stuffed bear and a roommate (laughs) We're both willing to do that. Roman's locked on for the issue tomorrow. Colette, if oh, yeah. you feel like doing that at some point, I will bring a, some, ver- I've dropped off paperbacks today of Roman's house that so he'd be able to read them. But if you're at all interested in doing that, um, I'm trying to do an issue a day, four day a week podcast to get through the 75 issue comic book run <laughs> of Grant Morrison's Batman. And- I am totally down. Okay. I'm really excited about it, but I'm also like really nervous about it right now because i'm like i get behind on my weekly podcast i'm very nervous i'm gonna somehow let everybody down but right now i'm i'm trying to do a very large project in the form of that so i think right now everybody is grateful for any content that comes out anytime in any form it's all right if it's late just It's all right if it's just garbage us talking about Star Trek for way too long. Well, I was hoping that each one of these podcasts would be like a 20-minute thing where we talk about each issue for like 20 minutes. And uh, Justin and I recorded the first one a couple of days ago, and it was an hour and 15 minutes long. And I was like, oh, (laughs) fuck. I've got to get better at reining this shit in and biting off pieces that I can consume and then edit and put up in a meaningful way. Um, So... Hopefully that will get better. Um, but yeah, at this point, I, I want all of my bat family to chime in at different times and offer totally different perspectives of uh, what it means to read Graham Morrison's Batman, whether it's one issue in the middle of nothing or from the beginning or whatnot. But I'm, uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm just very nervous. I'm just really touched that you just referred to us as your bat family. Oh yeah. I recorded like a, a, a preview podcast of it to like put, in the main podcast feed 
to let everyone know like a week before it starts coming out that it's going to be happening. And, and I absolutely referred to everyone as the bat family. Like hopefully I'll assemble my own bat family to cover this thing. I got Justin for one Romans tomorrow. Uh, two days after that is Django. I recorded one by myself today. It's, it's mostly like a Jeff solo thing. And then hopefully tapping into everyone that is willing to donate their time to help me. But I, I don't want to commit anyone to it because I understand it's a fucking insane labor to even think about recording four or five podcasts a week. So I'm trying to make that my own, my own labor to bear, but <laughs> to bear. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't have well him next to me. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colette, have you met Roman's Huckleberry? No. Okay. Well, Roman, hold you got to get up and grab him. Okay. okay uh, hold on. <laughs> Roman's birthday, as you know, was a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And like a month before that, Sam and I had gotten him his own bear and, and named it. And he lived at the house and everything. But then we had to like give him away. And we had this like disgusting, like all of the bears waving goodbye to him as he left the door that day. It was like a very weird sadness that shouldn't have existed, but we still I'll have to get my hands on one of those bears at some oh, point. Every time you put up a new video, Hilo goes, Bear! Yeah, there's, bear! there's, there's a Colette bear in the pipe, so don't worry. Um, oh, hey, Huckleberry! Hi, everybody! Hi, Colette! Uh, I'm, I'm happy to meet you! <laughs> oh, it's so nice to meet you, Huckleberry! This is so weird because it's a, a podcast and no one but the three of us can see this moment, but... Uh, Just trust us that it's very endearing and wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, these bears are a cancer that I'm spreading in the universe as well as Sam. So, um, but yeah, uh, Colette, I think it's a safe assumption that there's there's a Colette bear uh, in the very near future. So okay, okay, good. Also, if Barry could do another video with you soon, uh, I need more content to show Hilo that's not Sesame Street. For yeah. all of its joy, I get a little tired of it. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, no, Sam is saying the same thing. It's just that it feels insane to say it, but like. I know the podcast is running late and I'm behind on Barry videos, but if you can believe it, I am spending every single day on Zoom recording something for some different thing. Um, I believe it. So, so yeah. I mean, I think I bet tomorrow there's a good chance we'll get a Barry video up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. I bet I could get Barry to say Hilo's name. Maybe <gasps> trip him out a little bit. Oh, it'll make his whole world <laughs> turn upside down with happiness. He loves Barry. Um, um, well, my two dear friends, thank you so much for spending this evening with me talking about Star Trek and, uh, and with our wonderful viewers. I know they're not viewers. Um, <laughs> listeners. But, listeners, yes. But Colette, thank you so much. Oh, Ro- thanks for having me. This was- Roman, thanks for dipping in at the last minute. That was awesome. But- thank you. I wrote, down, I wrote down three episodes that I'm going to look up at, probably right after this and watch. <laughs> They're worth doing. It is worth yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen them in forever. And as I make my way through my 500th rewatch, I'll make notes and send you a text <laughs> also of, watch this one right now. And or, all of our watch good. minute 54 of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, so, I was also flattered by the fact that it took you less than a couple hours to acquiesce to that weird text response and watch that episode <laughs> and give me a thoughtful response to it. Um, <laughs> But our comic listeners are like, why did I just spend an hour listening to people talk about Star Trek The Next Generation? It, it's, if you don't get it, it means that you should watch it and you should start it like season three or I'll give you a list of the episodes that I watched to be this in love with it. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of the best shows in 
American television. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely believe that now, and I'm not even finished with it. And Colette, every time yeah. I brought it up, she's like, oh, yeah. And she just, like, it's in her brain as a weird Star Trek The Next Generation encyclopedia. So It is my oldest and probably dearest nerddom, and I don't get to voice it a lot, and so I'm used to just not bringing it up. But, what, God, when I get the opportunity, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it, it brings me joy, like a lot of joy to be able to talk to people who love it more than I do. And, and that's, that's super cool. So um, that was episode 177 of a podcast that was once about comics. And starting May 20th, um, there will be new comics and we will talk about them. But until that moment, it will still be a bunch of people who love each other who work at a comic shop together and talk about things. And so hopefully it felt like for a moment you worked with us at that comic shop. I'm Jeff. I love anyone listening. And I especially love Roman, Colette, and Huckleberry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that, I that's love all you, you too. That's where you go, I'm Roman and Huckleberry. <laughs> well, I'm Huckleberry and this Roman guy. <laughs> And I'm Colette, and I miss you all so much. The two of you I can see and everybody listening. Can't wait to see you again through safe situations. One day soon, but not too soon, but safely soon, we will all meet under the protective space that 105 East Holly provides all of us. And we will talk about things like Star Trek and comic books and upcoming comic books and weird bears and sports. If you're the person who shows one of the hundred people that show one, the one in 100 people that show up to talk to Jeff about sports. But um, all right, you guys, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you both soon. Live long and prosper. Live long and well Yeah. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye.